Hello and welcome back to the final whistle.ie for the rugby show. And as always, we have an absolutely stacked show coming up for you. We have Lansdowne duo Peter Hasty and Corey Reid joining us. And we will also have reaction from our reporter Adam McKendry on the Ulster School Senior Cup. But first, I'm joined by Ireland, Leinster and Railway Union star Nikki Coffey. Nikki, thanks so much for joining us this evening. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And I suppose, where else is there to start? AIL Cup and League Champions. Can you try some up that campaign? Um, it was a bit of a dream, actually, for me. I've been, I'd say, playing senior rugby since I was 18. I've been playing rugby since I was five. And it's probably my biggest achievement, personally. It was a personal goal 10 years ago. I wanted to win AIL League, AIL Cup, you know. And uh, to actually do them both. Now, I wasn't playing the final in the AIL Cup, but... Uh, to actually uh, be part of both of them is just massive and it's massive for the club and yeah like I wasn't part of it in 2019 I was I was out injured but up until that point that was that was probably my proudest moment in sport as well but to actually play in the final and, and win the final in, in the style that we did and how close it was and yeah just gives me gives me goosebumps thinking about it because I just uh, very very proud to to have that and it's great for the club as well and rightly so and if i can kind of jot your mind back to the beginning of the season um as a squad collectively what were your goals going into the start of the campaign um we're we're a very performance based kind of team like we um you know if you like we kind of try and take a bit of emotion out of it i know a lot of teams can can run off emotion and being proud and pride for the jersey and stuff we are very very performance based and like with a really good coaching staff that set us up to to give the best performance where we don't actually have to think about anything outside of that. Um, so we set our goals pretty high at the start of the season. We weren't shy. Um, we wanted to retain the AIL league because uh, obviously pre-COVID, we, we were the holders of it. It didn't get finished the, the year COVID hit. Um, we wanted to retain that. We wanted to um, win the cup again. It had been a couple of years since we've won the cup. We also um, aimed high with our twos. Uh, we wanted to win our twos league and we wanted to win the, the cup as well. Three out of four we've done. We're still waiting on the twos cup. Um, so we weren't shy in our in our club goals, but it was more just we set our goals and then we kind of set it aside. And it was like, right, what do we have to do to do that? And um, yeah, and like it, it was it was almost a bit mechanical and like, right, this is what the training's going to be. This is what you sign up for. If you're not part of it, if, you, if you're not up for it, you don't have to be there, but everybody that was in that room that heard the goals and stuff wanted to be a part of it and we were all ready to play especially after a year of covid not being around people not playing rugby everybody was just so excited to get back so um and obviously we had we had a dream season as as you can imagine you know and as you were saying there a very competitive league with the likes of you of bohemian black rock old, old belvedere and is there any side that really stands out to you that you faced this year that really gave you some some great big battles um <sighs> I'd be silly not to mention the likes of UL Bose. Um, I was actually uh, chatting to Briggsy earlier in the week. We were talking about when the turning point for Railway was actually whenever we did start to compete with Bose and we did start to maybe beat them in the odd game and we realised that we could really aim high in the AIL Cup, you know, and, and aim beyond the, 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 mid of the middle of the table. Um, they're obviously massive competitors. I love playing against them because it's just such a battle, like physical, I know the last scoreline probably didn't do. They were missing a lot of players. We were missing a lot of players, but like it's always so competitive, um, and they probably 
we probably have to thank them for a little bit of our success because the whole the last couple of years leading up to to this year was like let's beat bows this year let's beat bows this year you know um and then this year um rock just just had a turning point um we've always been competitive with rock over the last couple of years uh, this year i think they really took a step up in their their coaching staff and their management and how they went about things on the pitch um and they were our first loss of the season but i mean like to have that kind of competition where you're coming in and it is a 50 50 whether you're going to win a game you know like that's so exciting to have as a player um and yeah i'd say rock kind of surprised not surprised us because the boys had a, a, a good squad but we really enjoyed playing them this season even if even if it did come with a couple of with a loss or two <laughs> uh, against them and then with the AIL, it, it's great to have such a competitive division and I think this year when they split the top four and then made that conference section for, for the bottom sides, how important do you think that was? Um, really, like really important for both sides of the table. So like before Christmas for us, I think, I think possibly we've went through 45 players on our, on our AIL team this season, which is just incredible. Like, and it stands to our seconds as well. Like they've been able to come up and down where possible. Uh, where they were allowed to um, and pre-Christmas pre it was really important for us to rotate the squad and get those two players playing at a, at a higher level than what their league is to allow them personally to kick on and, and experience like a higher level of playing um, and realise like what they're training for and stuff you know um, and then so like yeah so pre-Christmas pre was good for rotation but then after Christmas to get those competitive games week in week out um, it's just it just it, it changes everything you know you're not there's no weeks off in that term like you come off a really heavy hard game and you know you've got a heavy hard game the, the week after and like it kind of builds your mentality then you're not kind of going against the squad and, and saying you know like oh uh even though you know it's going to be a tough game you know you'll probably get the win like every week was every week was um <laughs> every week was a toss-up you know and it, it kind of forces you as a player to uh, to get better, to improve, to think about tactics, to think about um, like small skills outside of like team play that can possibly edge ahead of another team. So it, it really opened up for us a bit of game management actually. And when you lose players, this is what you do to, to win. When you gain players, you can change your tactics and stuff, you know. Um, and then obviously leading into a Six Nations to have four teams and actually the even the even the lower end, sorry, of that of that of that conference uh they're still playing really competitive rugby against people that are maybe more equally matched but you've still got really good games skillful games in there and yeah and it's the exact same it's the exact same thing for them then as well but like to lead into six nations now where the four top teams have had really competitive games for six seven weeks running is going to be invaluable to them and um, hopefully going into the six nations you know and then as someone who is so heavily involved in, in Irish rugby like you are, do you see firsthand the growth and maybe women's rugby getting the recognition it deserves? Obviously with TG Carr showing that league final and the crowds of people up there, do you see a, a difference kind of in the, in the support for it? Absolutely. Um, it's, it's funny because like as a player, like you love the, the whole buzz about it. Like we could have been playing out in the field in the middle of nowhere. The players themselves would have had the exact same buzz about it. 
and you kind of forget a little bit about the media build up and the fact that it's on TV. But then whenever you actually look back and be like, we were playing live on the national channel, you know, it's amazing. And like the amount of people that I've had even saying to me after, oh, I was watching you on TG Car, like that you just wouldn't think would be interested in women's rugby. And they went, oh, that was a really good game or it was quick or it was intense, you know, and like they're surprised by it as well. That like might just force them to watch, to go down to the local club and or invest in women's rugby a little bit more, you know. Um, so yeah, like the all the media build up and stuff, and like Six Nations being in its own window just gives it a chance to reach those audiences that wouldn't necessarily follow women's rugby, but they might flick on a channel because the men's rugby isn't on, and they're just rugby fans and watch it and actually just appreciate it for what it is and appreciate how skillful or, um, uh, yeah, how, how skillful it is. Like they might be surprised by it, and, and then you gain, and then women's rugby gains an extra follower, you know, and that just helps build the build the success for it I suppose. 100 and, and that really leads into my, to my next question about the upcoming Six Nations and how excited are you for that and what are your goals kind of a, as a team going into it? Yeah um, it's funny I like I haven't been involved I'd say since well since 2018 when I was um, when I was injured and stuff so like and I kind of I'd put I'd kind of put like uh, over Covid obviously everybody's going through their own uh, mental mental struggles and stuff and I kind of just you know I hadn't played in a couple of years I'd put on a bit of weight I was going like am I able to still play at an international level or and I'd kind of reserved myself to just playing club and I was very happy to do so and in, an in, in interpro so when I got the when I got the call to go in like it was well it was just a shock first and foremost but I actually realized how much I loved it and how much I missed it Sometimes you can take it for granted when you're in, when you are in and around it all the time. Um, and then we came together as a squad. It's obviously a new, new management. There's a lot of new younger players, exciting players in there as well. We've got a mix of the, the sevens in there as well. And to be honest, it's it's a new start I think for for Irish women's rugby. You know, we're the only team in the Six Nations that maybe haven't qualified for the, for the World Cup. So we're playing for like like every other team's warming up for the World Cup. We're playing like just kind of to start something new and start something exciting and, and try and get women's rugby in well Irish women's rugby back on the right track and um we have we've we've sat down as a team and we've set out goals and we've set out standards we've created we're trying to create our own culture which is coming along really well um like the, I can't I can't even explain the pod like the, the positive vibes that are going on in camp and you know there's no there's no toxicness or you know it's it's just a really really good feeling to be back in the mix and stuff and so I suppose as a team again we just want to go out and get performance we want to enjoy playing again you know it was a coming off a successful November series obviously with the with the disappointment of Italy I think people just want to turn a corner and start a new page and, and start it well you know and if we can compete with the likes of France and England and and beat the, the teams that are maybe a bit lower down on it as well like you know it's, it's all to play for. We've nothing to lose by it. We're we're uh, very hopeful and very positive and, and very excited actually for for what's for what's to come. Yeah, and and you mentioned there that the the call up maybe shocked you a bit, but I think I speak for anyone who has maybe followed women's rugby over over the past season at Railway, and I think your form definitely warrants a place in that Irish squad. Um, and I think with Neve Briggs coming into the coaching team, what is she going to add? And is everyone really excited about her get, getting very hands on, obviously alongside Greg? Yeah, massively actually. Uh, I I played with Briggs um, as a as a player as like a really young, fresh like um, 
probably a bit uh, <laughs> naive player I was, and she maybe had to, um, she maybe had to to try and manage me a little bit. But um, like to have to have a, a player, an ex player coach of her experience and her knowledge as well, like is just invaluable. You know, uh, in an international camp, I think it's probably the first time that we've had a, a female um, coach of her of her expertise in there, and like something that somebody that like me as a, I knew her as a person and a, and a player before going into camp it's really comfortable for me to approach her and ask her questions or bounce an idea off her or and, and get her feedback and I respect her feedback you know like I respect all the coaches feedback but if you know somebody personally and as a player haven't played with and against them you know like and for the younger players even coming through just getting the experience that as well like that's it's just going to add so so much you know yeah, it, it definitely will. And if I was to ask you maybe a, a proudest moment of your career so far, what comes to mind for you? Um, I'll take out the AIL league win this season. Um, of all, I was actually only speaking to, to JC, it's the railway coach there about this couple of couple of months ago or and like I've done sevens World Cup, World Series, Six Nations. The proudest moment of my career was actually I was running water in the two thousand nineteen um AIL League final uh, and it was Railway's first win and it was really it was a whole club experience I've I've never I've never actually watched a game and just not being part of it not how do I explain it sorry no, I I, played I, in the game felt like part of it if that makes sense and yeah absolutely like it, it makes me emotional thinking about it but like that's probably my proudest my proudest moment is is the first year that Railway won the won the AIL for sure and I think that really shows the the morale in that mm. railway squad and the togetherness, and you do get kind of family vibes off each other, like they, you nearly all go out onto the pitch and die for each other. Um, and I think finally, if I was to maybe do a bit of a quick fire question with you about your railway teammates, your Leinster, your Irish teammates, of anyone that you've mm -hmm. ever played with, if I was to ask you the best passer of the ball that, that you've ever played with, who would you say to me? The best passer has to be Larissa Muldoon. Okay, sure. and... If I asked you best kicker? Kicker. <laughs> uh, probably actually I'll go out I'll think outside of the box here. Uh, Catherine Dean from from Belvo. Uh, she's the nine and some of her box kicks, they're just so smart. Um, and she plays the ball perfectly to just bounce out or stay in. I yeah, probably one of the best kickers. Very good. Uh, then if I went with Tackler. Um I'm gonna be biased here. Uh, she's my teammate, my partner, um, but probably Deirdre Roberts. She played for Rio this year, and I've only been on the receiving end of one tackle, thankfully, uh, and it was not nice. <laughs> I, I may may or may not have stepped out for a few minutes, but I've seen seen her hits, and she has to be the best tackler I think in the league at the minute. <laughs> very good. Um, and then if I was to ask you, maybe a, a player with a, a very high IQ in rugby terms, always a, a step ahead of play and thinking outside the box. Oh, um, a player specifically. There's, there's, there's so many. <laughs> like I have rugby conversations. Actually, a player that I used to play with, um, Shirley Corcoran, um, and she retired actually at that the 2019 um, AIL final. But she's probably one of the smartest players, smartest rugby thinkers. She now actually does our huddle reviews and our uh, our match coding and stuff because she's just so in tune with she, like she always said like oh i'm not the fastest or i'm not the strongest but she's she knows rugby inside out and i could have great rugby chats with her as well 
Very good. And then last of all, if I was to ask you a best leader that you played with, someone that always got everyone rallied up and ready for the game, who would you say to me? Me, Fern, 100%. It's, uh, she's, she's so balanced. Like, she, like people who need a big slap in the back and a big rare to go react off her, even though she's quite calm, she knows how to speak to each player individually. She'll know not to come up and slap me in the back, but to come up and just have like a tactical talk or another player she'll know to go up and try and rile them up and like she leads by example she's a fantastic player fantastic person and people just want to play for her and with her and uh yeah 100 me fern nikki it's been absolutely great having you on the show and all the best for the the six nations campaign ahead that's lovely thank you so much thanks for having me brilliant all the best then thanks bye bye And elsewhere in the women's AIL, Blackrock College were crowned plate champions after a 24-12 victory over Cook. And then moving on to the Leinster School Senior Cup action. Gonzaga College booked their place in the final of the Cup with a 34-21 victory over St. Mary's. Tries from Jody Brown, Hugo McLaughlin, Paul Wilson and Stephen McMahon sealed the win for Gonzaga. They will face the winner of Blackrock College or Newbridge College tomorrow. And we have match reaction from coaches Kieran Maloney and Gareth Pelly now. Gareth, congratulations into the final now. How can you sum up that game? Um, well, you know, we played very well in parts of the first half. We did very well to recover from an early score, which kind of rocked us back on our heels. I thought when we got into position 27, we made some fantastic um, line breaks. We probably threw a couple of unnecessary offloads. Uh, got a little bit loose, but we managed to regain our composure. Um, so, Mary's to Mary's, they're really good. Yeah. I think the penalty try was a Definitely, obviously you were leading at half-time. What was the message to the lads in that second half? Well, we were very pleased with many aspects of our play, but I suppose our first up tackling and trying to stick and hit more uh, and maybe get our line speed up, that was the main message. And obviously a very big St Mary's side, some big ball carriers. How did you really prepare for that during the week? Well, you know, every week we're really playing guys that are bigger than us. That's Gonzaga, don't believe the biggest of men. Uh, so you just, you know, go low, chop, hit the step. And now into the final as well. How excited are you ahead of that? And do you really feel you can go all the way? We absolutely feel we can go all the way. We're in to win it. You know, no disrespect to Black Rock. We understand their history and their tradition in this competition. But we really, really believe ourselves. But I suppose today we're going to enjoy this evening. Back to work tomorrow. Kieran, congratulations, how can you sum up that game of rugby? Well, I think um, I was just starting with Martin Fenner there and he, he said they took their opportunities and uh, I think that's how you could sum it up. A uh, number of times we got in behind them and just weren't able to execute them, weren't able to get through a monkey phase. Uh, but look, better team today won. Uh, unfortunately that wasn't us today. Uh, but by and large, uh, you know, we've been very happy with our season. I know our lads won't see that now. but. Uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much the way it's yeah. gone. And how can you sum up the season, really? Some really big wins in the past couple of rounds. Are you very proud of your side? Ah, yeah, I mean, we, we've, we've battled hard. We went down against Kilkenny, we went down against the US, uh, and we're able to battle back today. We're just you know, against a team like Gonzaga, who won the league, who uh, met Michaels a few weeks ago. We're just not going to get the same opportunities to get back into a game. 
Unfortunately, the airlines were on the other end of that today. Definitely, and then out of the side that are left in the competition, who, who would you be backing maybe to go all the way? Oh, I think that obviously Rock are the favourites. Uh, I think they'll get a big uh, game tomorrow against Newbridge, but if Gonzaga again take their opportunities and are probably a little bit more clinical than they were against us, uh, you could be you'd hope that they could uh, at least uh, challenge and uh, possibly beat Black Rock or Newbridge. So it's it really it, Black Rock are probably favourites, but those two have a good opportunity. Methodist College were crowned Ulster School Senior Cup champions after 20 points to 17 victory over Campbell College on St. Patrick's Day. In a moment, I'll be joined by our reporter, Adam McKendry. But first, here's reaction from Peter O'Hagan. Peter, School's Cup winner, how does that feel? It feels great. It's great for the, just a, just a huge performance from the team all around. And we've, we've been playing well all season and we've finally been rewarded for it. It's lovely. Massive, massive second half yeah. performance there. You guys go 10 points down yeah. at the start of the second half. What were you saying to the guys under the posts just to get them back in and ready to go? We just need to get back to how we started because we started started strong. They didn't want any of it, and then they started to creep into it. That half time, it was a it was a good place to be able to go. We were all over them. Let's get back to where we were and couldn't get out of half the second half. Yeah, you spent so long down there. You really did dominate. Whenever you tied it up, did you feel like it was a it was yours to win yeah, there? Yeah, I think that didn't matter. And then Ben McFarlane coming up with that massive kick at the end. He, he, does, it, he does it all the time. He does it all the time. He's class. He did it he did it in the semi final. Did, did, did it in the quarter final as well. He, you were confident he was always gonna land that last one? Yeah. <laughs> Whenever you lifted that trophy, did it live up to all the expectations yeah. you had in your head? Definitely. And, and being able to celebrate it in celebrate front of all it, your fans as well. With, yeah, the fans were fans support was excellent today. It was just great. Or an excellent day. Enjoyed a lot. All teams enjoyed it a lot. We're going to enjoy it a bit more. <laughs> <laughs> How long do you think you're going to hold on to the trophy for? Do you think you're you're going to be the one to try and keep it for a week and then pass it around the other guys? Oh, for who knows? Bit? We'll see. We'll hear about that after. Tomorrow morning. <laughs> <laughs> Bigger I mean, things ahead. I mean, you talked before the game began about the expectation yeah. at Methody and, and sort of the the standard that you guys have to live up to, but now you guys are going to go down in history as, yeah. a, as another it's, Methody yeah, team no, to win it. You, you must be so proud. It's an honour. Honour for the team. It's great. Absolutely great. Perfect. <laughs> I'm now joined by Land Sound duo Corey Reed and Peter Hasty. Lads, thanks many for joining me. And I think we may as well just get straight into it. And Corey, sitting in second place in Division One A, um, are you happy with how the season has gone so far? Yeah, absolutely. Jesus, we've been flying it in fairness. So obviously, second in the, at the moment, and obviously coming off the Baden Cup final wins, been a great season so far. So hopefully, more to come. Yeah, and, and Peter, I suppose if I can jot your memory back to the start of the season, um, what, what were your goals kind of collectively? What did you sit down and say, this is what we want to do, or what were the goals really? I think at the start of the season anyway, I mean, of course, you're going to try to win as much as you can. Um, I think the Leinster League or the Cup was the first one, um, and I suppose then followed by the Bateman. But I suppose you kind of, at the start of the season, you set out to win as much as possible. Um, thankfully, at the moment, we're not doing too bad. Of course, we haven't had a great run there recently, but hopefully now we can finish strong and see what happens. 
And then, obviously, maybe form hasn't gone your way in recent weeks with two loss on the bounce against Young Munster and, and Clontarf. And Corey, how do you kind of, as a, as a team, just get back to back to basics? And what's the message from the coaching staff ahead of this week's game? Yeah, I suppose um, we took a week off there and just had a real think of what we want to achieve, I suppose. So we have to get back into things now last week and obviously getting into things this week. So we're just trying to bring things back to uh, basics and hopefully just go back to the way we were because uh, obviously yeah we've knocked off a wee bit and yeah we just need to kick on again definitely yeah and peter i want to talk to you a bit about the training that you do and do you tend to focus training sessions maybe around the opposition you're playing at the weekend or do you really just stick to to your own game a lot of it really is kind of round around kind of game um i know we do a lot of kind of unit work on both as well as more so on thursday but we do a bit now on um Tuesday as well but a lot of it is kind of based around us and how we can kind of improve ourselves because I know if we can get ourselves going we're not too bad it's just really kind of getting ourselves in, in the right frame of mind really and I think that's that's a lot of it. Yeah. Definitely and then kind of for the both of you um, what is kind of a week in training with with an AIL team like and how many days training do you do and is there a lot of gym workers that mainly pitch kind of at this stage of the season? We'll start with you Corey. Yeah, well, we do a speed session and gym session on a Monday with our S&C coach, Dan. So that's a Monday. And then on a Tuesday, we do a collective training session uh, all together. So that's, um, that'll be more intense. So, uh, yeah, it's not too bad. And then uh, on a Adam, Wednesday... Welcome it's back to the show. Thank you very much for joining us again. Thanks for having me again, Luke. It's... Hold on there. We're having a few technical issues, but I think we're back good. Corey, didn't mean to interrupt you there. I'll let you get back into it. But yeah, so on, and then on a Tuesday, we have a collective session with all the lads. So that would be our heavy session, be about an hour and a half and be more full on contact, whatnot. And then usually Wednesday is a gym session, do it in your own time. And then Thursday is a collective again and be more just going through drills of what we want to achieve on the weekend and doing back moves and doing moves together. Hasty to be running the show a wee bit. So you're... <laughs> And, and then kind of another question for the two of you. Um, how long are you both playing with Lansdowne and, and what teams were you playing with previously? Peter, I'll start with you. So I would have kind of gone the, I suppose, less traditional route. I'm, I'm a club man, so I would have played in Wicklow until under 18s. Um, and then I went to Lansdowne and I did my 20s there. Um, so I did both years with Fassi. And then after that, I actually spent a season in Nace. Uh, and then from there, came back back to Lansdowne. And I've been there since, so I suppose it was kind of strange leaving, then coming back. Um, but no, it was good. Now I think going away, especially tonight, kind of helped me to play a bit more one B, play senior rugby a bit more, um, and then to come back to Lansdowne, I felt like I was a bit more ready, a bit more kind of well prepared to do so. Yeah, and did you feel kind of a bit of a jump from like, let's say maybe just playing with Wicklow and then going up to playing with a club like Lansdowne, or did it take you a while to adapt? Yeah, it's a, it's a big, big step. I mean, mentally, you're kind of thinking to yourself, right, you're kind of joining with a lot of the lads, schools lads, um, all the lads kind of from all over. I mean, it's a big club. It's known for, for being good. So I suppose there is a bit of a hesitation to even go there in the first place. You kind of question if you're good enough to go and stuff like that. But I think once you make the jump and once you go for it, you kind of realise it was kind of worth it and it was it worked out for the better anyway. It, it definitely has. And then, Corey, yourself, where did you start off and when did you first arrive at Lansdowne? Yeah, I actually only started in Lansdowne this year, but um, I'm from Athlone, so I started my uh, club rugby in uh, Buccaneers in Athlone. So I played uh, 
three years senior there. My first year was actually one A, but we got relegated that year, so wasn't wasn't the best of times. But uh, no, it's it's definitely when I joined Lansdowne this year, it's it's been unreal. Like you know, um, just the standard of rugby, everyone there is top quality. So yeah, it's really good. And I suppose it's a very competitive side. And is there a real competition for places? And how important is it having a, a big squad in, in the AIL? Oh, yeah. there's I think there's competition everywhere, isn't there, Esty? Oh, yeah. No one's safe. Like, so, like, if, if you're injured or out one week, someone steps in, you know, and, you know, you won't, they won't be filling the gap. Like, and then, sure, it's all for well, the week yeah. after. <laughs> very well and then before you know it you're in a bit of a scrap to get back in as well and then it's just but it makes training quite interesting as well because everyone's yeah. pushing everyone kind of wants to do the same thing they all exactly. want to play yeah. the first you know and I think that's what kind of is driving us a good bit as well and there's a huge amount of competition around the squad this year yeah and, and it's definitely needed and it really does show in, in, the, in the top clubs that there is a real strength and depth and I suppose if I can kind of Bring your memory out to the sides that you faced this year. Um, Peter, I'll start with you. Of sides that really impressed you, that maybe very good tactically or a very strong side that you perhaps struggled with. Oh, well, I think to be honest, Tariff was probably the big one, isn't it? Um, which is the size they have a big pack. Um, and once they get that going, she's to very, very hard to stop. Um, so to be fair, I'd say Tariff for myself, anyway, they were pretty decent. Yeah, and then yourself, Corey. Yeah, Tariff, obviously, but then you have. I think Trinity were very good when we played them at home as well. They kind of caught us mm. off guard a small bit. They were played at unreal pace, and obviously they're a big Trinity side as well. So pace and size, I think they played unreal rugby that day as well. So Definitely, and obviously they're a side with a lot of skill, but you have managed to get the better of them on a couple of occasions this year. And Is there maybe a bit of more of a buzz when you do beat one of your, one of your rivals like that as well? Peter, I'll go to you. Yeah, definitely. I mean, of course, um, I think... There is a nice, it's nice, it's rewarding, I suppose. Um, brings the lads together that bit more, and I suppose even playing a local kind of game like that, it does mean that bit more. I mean, you play it on a Friday night, everything, the occasion, everything's a little bit different, you know. You know it's it's not your normal kind of AIL game, I suppose. Um, so to win one as well, of course, it's nice to lose. It's not so nice either. Um, but no, it's, it's, it's something different. And then Corey, kind of looking forward to the to the rest of the, the season. I think there is just the three games left in the AIL, and is cementing that top four place really a, a must for you as a squad? No, absolutely. Yeah, we're trying to get home semi final. Home semi final is obviously huge. So top two is where we're probably aiming for. Um, as you know, just looking throughout the last few uh, games I've gone on in semi finals, usually the home home side will usually come out on, on the bear. So yeah, that's the FVRM this year. Next year. Yeah. And, and Peter, then I think with a lot of uh, AL games being available to stream and a lot more people maybe tuning in, do you see the AL growing and growing and it's really positive for Irish rugby, do you think? Yeah, definitely. I think it's 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 definitely growing. I know Lansdowne in particular, we have a pretty good stream. Um, we're quite fortunate to have the, the cameras there and stuff, but I suppose it'd be nice to see even more games to be streamed um, to kind of get more exposure around as well. And I think the likes of some of the academy players coming back, like obviously we've got... The likes of Dooley coming back, Foley coming back, Greg, Peter Sullivan, Jesus a low Temi as well. Like there's a lot of players to come back, and I mean, suppose it kind of lifts the standard that little bit more as well. Um, so I suppose to, to get a bit more exposure and stuff like that, I mean, it'd be great, it'd be great, really. And like you were saying there, obviously a lot of video cameras and stuff. And does that help you as a team? Do you do much analysis on on your games and maybe even individual points to improve and stuff as well? Yeah, definitely. 
Boiler, Boiler loves Huddle. Loves Huddle. <laughs> he's actually never off it. Um, he was actually just ringing me there as well. So he's probably watching. But uh, yeah, Mark Boyle loves, loves uh, Huddle, so he does. Did you call him Paul Boyle there, did you? No, I said Mark. I said Mark. Oh, sure, that's yeah, you yeah. trying to get a slow one in there. With the amount of videos and stuff like that, of course, like it's nice to be able to watch kind of games back and stuff like that. There's always a review every Thursday and stuff before we go out of the pitch. So. Yeah, and then I think finally, just to, to finish on a, a bit of a quick fire round that we, we did it with Nikki Coffee earlier. Um, so I'm going to go give you a couple of areas. I'll start off with you then, Corey. If I asked you, of all time, of everyone you've played with, who, who's the best passer of the ball? Just the one. You can, I'll let you give me two. Just because you played for a couple <laughs> oh, of sides. Jeez. Uh, I give Hasty one. Jeez, not bad. Not and, bad. Uh, <laughs> Jack Matthews. Very good. And then, Peter, if I go to you? Yeah, James Kenny's one as well. I suppose Jack Matthews is good as well. James Kenny. Cormac Foley as well. Jeez. Yeah, the three um, nines, uh, in fairness. Uh, Foley's yeah. got a good pass. And then, Corey, we'll, we'll lead you into the best kicker there. And Oh, Jesus. I give it to one of that lone lads, uh, Luke Arty. And Peter, then yourself, uh, maybe another good out happy no player. Um, <laughs> oh, Jesus, let me think here for a sec. Tector's good. Tector's actually got a very good build. Very, very good build. Um, and then I'll go back to you, Corey, then. Uh, best hacker? Um, Jack O'Sullivan. And then yourself, Peter? Luke Thompson. Um, and then I'll go back to you again, Peter. I'll mix it up a bit. Uh, work rate, is there someone that's kind of covered every blade of grass on the pitch? Ah, Clive Ross. Clive Ross. He's yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that He's one. everywhere. You both go with him then? Yeah. Uh, and then one that sometimes catches a couple of people out, Corey, um, is there a player that you played with that maybe always sees a step ahead or has a real rugby IQ on him that is just different to a lot of the other players? Um, yeah, I suppose there's a few. Um, I suppose Eamon Mills is probably up there, but he's in the club at the moment. He's just very knowledgeable, knows everything about the game, and you know, he's, he's a real leader on the pitch. And then yourself, Peter? I'd say Barry Gould. Um, would have played with him at 20s and also a little bit for the first as well, but Barry's his brain for rugby is incredibly impressive. Uh, and then finally, in this quick fire round, um, best leader that you played with, Peter? Jeez, well, I have to well, Jack, uh, Jack O'Sullivan. Of course, he's he's a great man. To be fair, he's yeah. a good leader all around. Um, but I suppose obviously Jack Don as well. And um, obviously he didn't get too much of a season, unfortunately, with Belgium and stuff. But he was quite good as well. Yeah, I, I, I go with two of them as well. I go with Jack, the two Jacks. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say Jack Don as well. Um, and I think that's everything anyway, boys. So thanks so much for joining really? me. And we'll have no to get John maybe at another stage at the end of the season. Hopefully it's a, a very yeah, successful season. So. Hopefully. Yeah. Cheers. Thanks very much. Thanks very much. Thank that's you very much. All right. Bye-bye. Adam, welcome back to the show. Thank you very much for joining us again. Thanks for having me again, Luke. It's always fun being on. And I suppose we have to start from that game on Paddy's Day where Methodist College were crowned Ulster Senior Cup champions. Tell me a bit about that game. Unbelievable game. I think before we went into the game, we sort of knew it was going to be a close one. They were two very evenly matched teams. And fortunately, the game lived up to the expectation because we were sitting there, you know, going into the second half, 
Campbell scored just after the second half, and you think they're, they're going to run away with it here. And then Methody just slowly kept plugging away. They had one one great chance in the corner that they didn't score from, and you thought maybe that's their chance gone, but they just kept coming back and back, and eventually they get the, the tries to tie it up. But that kick at the end, which I'm sure we're going to talk about from Ben McFarlane, you know, to be able to cope with the pressure of a big game like that and to convert a kick to win the school's cup essentially that's just incredible from from a kid who's who's not even 18 yet absolutely and we spoke a bit about the battle between the two out halves last week with peter caves and ben mcfarland and what was that like kind of watching the game in live time well, I think one of the things that really impressed me was the standard of the kicking on both teams because we all know that in schools rugby, if you've got a good kicker, it can go a long way. And I think we spoke about this whenever I was on the show last week. You know, McFarlane being able to kick all those points against RBAI in the semi final was what really actually won them the game because it just kept the scoreboard ticking over and it just pushed them that, that little bit further out. And it just really demoralized RBAI and Methody then pulled away. And in the final, we saw two teams who had very good kicking games and they kind of canceled each other out, which is why they kept things so close. You know, knowing that you couldn't give away penalties in the red zone was a real deterrent for both sides. And I, you can't take anything away from Campbell's kicking performance because they were very good. It was just McFarlane was given that one chance. And whenever he, he got it, on the 10 meter line, I remember saying to one of the guys who was sitting beside me, was he actually going to go for it? You know, ten, on the 10 meter line is a massive kick in, in school's terms. But he lamped this thing and it had a good bit to spare. Like he probably could have kicked it from the halfway line and it still would have crept over the crossbar. So um, it, it was a good battle between the two. I thought I thought the better battle was sort of between the packs. I really enjoyed sort of because you could see that Campbell really did target the mall, which was somewhere where Methody struggled in their in their semi-final. Uh, RBAI got a lot of purchase from it, and Campbell did target it, and they got one of their scores directly off the back of, of one of the malls early in the second half. And I I thought Methody stood up better than what they did in the semi-final, and that probably was just what won them in the won it for them in the end because. I think if Campbell had managed to get more of a stronghold on the game or a stranglehold in the game through the pack, then I think Methody might have thought this was one of this was another of those games that they had in the last four. But instead they they stood up and they managed to wrestle it back in in their favor and especially in that second half, they just took over. Definitely. And obviously, like you were saying, Methodist coming from behind, it did show real a real resilient performance to do that. And obviously with the game being at the Kingspan uh, Stadium, what was that like with the atmosphere and what, was there a good crowd there to support the two teams? We've really missed the Schools Cup final. And I think we were saying this last week as well. It, it was the one thing that hadn't really come back from an Ulster perspective. You'd had Ulster senior games during parts of lockdown in the ERC or, or the Pro 14 as it was then and the Champions Cup. But we hadn't had the Schools Cup because it got called off for another year. So having it back and just that novelty factor of being back on St. Patrick's Day at Kingspan Stadium for the final was just, it was just one of those things where you walked into the stadium and you just had a smile on your face because you knew it was going to be a good day. It's always one of the, 
dates that you circle in your calendar every year and, and you look forward to seeing the best of the best of Ulster schools players you get to see some of the guys who are vying for academy contracts next year and you know the, the crowd really responded the Methody have been there and done that they they've got kids who who've probably been to three or four finals before but just because they they have such a good team and, and Campbell have started to get to that point as well where they have quite a lot of experience being in finals so the two were going back and forth and it, it was fantastic just to see how how the changes in momentum changed how the atmosphere went um you know Campbell obviously had that excitement whenever they were they were up but Methody to the credit as they kept going back and Methody were attacking towards their fans in the second half you just feel them getting more and more into the game and then once they tied it it was absolute bedlam down that end and then of course they win it and you can just imagine the scenes so great crowd there I think they said that they just had under 9,000 at the game which is fantastic for for the final and look it's just great to see Schools Cup final back at, back at Kingspan Stadium again and then I suppose if I was uh, as someone who has a real um, knowledge on schools rugby in Ulster do you see the level maybe just continuing to grow to continue to grow and, and the skill set of the players kind of increasing year on year well look it's, it's no secret that Leinster are kind of the leaders whenever it comes to schools rugby and, and the money that's pumped into those schools and the the dedication that goes into the the senior cup down there in terms of uh, how much the players put into it how much the coaches put into it Ulster isn't at that level yet but there is a real desire to raise the Ulster schools game to that level and you see some schools you know schools that maybe wouldn't have in the past have now hired directors of rugby schools that haven't in the past will now have uh, nutritionists coming in maybe not necessarily on a full-time basis but at least on a part-time basis to help them out and that's the kind of level that they're trying to get to now it's almost like semi-pro it's starting to get to just just because schools realize that in order to take that next step and to separate themselves from the chasing pack they need to have that little bit extra like my former school wallace high who were uh, who were in the semi-finals before i left the only sort of gym equipment or the only uh, strength and conditioning things they had were old weights that they would bring out and put in their sports hall now they have a dedicated gym at the school which they built shortly after i left and i know from speaking to uh, to guys like nathan doak who played for wallace in, in the schools cup and some of the guys this year they've been saying you know how much that helps just by having all that stuff there they've got all their plans laid out for them they they know exactly what they're doing when they're going in as opposed to going into this old sports hall and really having to grind through it it becomes a lot more enjoyable whenever you have this pristine setup so for me looking at Ulster schools rugby going forward the more schools that start to get to that level and you get just talking to some of the coaches they they really want to get their schools to that level and there's a lot of ambitious schools outside of Belfast and um outside of you know sort of the big eight as they would say who who go straight into the into the fourth round in the schools cup a lot of them really want to bridge that gap and I think there's a lot of positive steps being done at schools such as you know Dromore, uh, Ballyclare High, uh, if you go further north sort of Ballymena are part of the top eight but I know they're doing a lot of good work in Coleraine Grammar as well so uh, a lot of work being done and I think the more that those schools really start to push uh, and 
start to break into that sort of upper echelon of Ulster schools rugby, the more those top schools will have to raise their game as well. And once that happens, you'll start to have this sort of snowball effect that'll, that'll roll through all the schools. 100%. And like you were saying there, you, you feel maybe the Ulster schools are quite a bit behind Leinster and all. But do you think maybe if there was a, let's say, an All-Ireland knockout afterwards where you have the winners of each provincial maybe go into a semi-final format and then a final i think that might be might help the other provinces grow a bit your likes of connacht and ulster as well do you think that that might help i'd love to see that uh and uh, it's something that i have asked about before and um i, I think just at the moment there is a realization that there's uh, not, not a lot of time just to sort of fit it in after all the competitions are done but certainly, I think it's something that would be a great aspiration. I think the schools would absolutely love if they got the chance to sort of have that All-Ireland to play for once they've won their provincial title, because I, I don't think it would necessarily devalue the provincial titles. I don't think I don't if, if you if you win Ulster, you know, but you don't win the All-Ireland, it's, it's an unsuccessful season or anything like that. I think there is still a lot of prestige in winning the Leinster Senior Cup or the Ulster Schools Cup or the Connacht Senior Cup or, or Munster, you know. So I, I would love to see that. And it would, as you say, it would be a great barometer of where are the Ulster Schools in comparison to Leinster or where the Connacht Schools in comparison to Munster. It'll differ year on year depending on great years. You know, like if if you take that RBAI team that had Mike Lowry and James Hume and Jude Postlewaite and uh, Callum Reid, all, all those guys in it, I think they probably would have given any school across Ireland a run for their money. So there, there will be peaks and troughs. It wouldn't be a, an exact barometer, but I do think it would be good sort of as a way to sign off the year if you had all four champion schools from across Ireland coming together and playing for an All-Ireland trophy. I think that would be beneficial. And I think it would be something that um, a lot of neutral fans would, would really enjoy seeing as well, just as, again, a kind of sense of who are the real talents coming through. Because I, outside of your own province, you, you can sort of be aware of maybe who's who, who's doing well, but it's only really whenever you get to see them in action that you get a real sense of which players are the ones that you think could actually make a step up here and, and could be in, in mix for potentially going forward and playing for their provinces. So even from a from a talent perspective and e even sort of a scouting perspective, I think it'd be good if, if there was something added on to the end of it. 100%. I couldn't really agree more with you on that. And then finally, Adam, before we wrap things up, if I was to ask you for maybe a couple of players as your players at a tournament, um, who would you say off the top of your head? Ben McFarland has to be up there, and not just for his kicking performance. He, he is the easy one to go for after what he did in the final, but I thought he was superb uh, throughout in, in terms of his overall game as well as his kicking. Really talented fullback. He can step uh, out of the backfield, and I thought he was very good. Ulster have a real knack of producing uh, backs that are, are very talented, so um, I'll I'll try and stay away from them. Uh, Rory Telford was another one from Coleraine who had a really good tournament. They were knocked out quite early, but certainly if, if you look at their body of work throughout the year, he he was extremely impressive in the centre for Coleraine. Um, but if you look at in the uh, in the pack as well, Josh Stevens had a great tournament for uh, Methody at, at open side flanker. You got a lot of guys from Campbell in that pack who are going to be great. Joe Hopes at lock looks like a real athlete, really strong, powerful runner. 
uh, in the second row that I think complements a lot of guys well whenever you have that sort of athletic uh, second row combined with your sort of technical second row. Um, but you also have guys like um, uh, like Oliver McCauley, who had a great tournament, Flynn Longstaff, both back rowers from Campbell, who had great tournaments as well. And I think you'll probably hear a lot more uh, about them. So quite a few guys that had good tournaments. If I was to if I was to say someone who I think though had had sort of the best tournament, Zach Solomon, who is the uh, who's the Campbell captain, another hooker off the production line in Ulster. I thought he was outstanding. You know, technically he was so good at the line out. Piloted a great mall uh, in the semi final and the final for Campbell showed some great nose in, in the uh in loose play as well. So he's a guy who I would really sort of keep an eye out on. But as I say, I'll Ulster on short on hookers. So it'll be interesting to watch where his uh, career development goes. It certainly will be. And Adam, thanks so much for joining us again today. It's a pleasure as always. Oh pleasure, Luke. Thank you. And I'm afraid that is all that we have for this week here on The Rugby Show. But make sure to tune back in next Wednesday where we will have yet another stacked show. See you then.